Welcome to You Can't Kill Me, every Slipknot song one by one. We are Chris Lee and Dave Musson, and we're here today to talk about our favourite Slipknot song, Do Nothing Bitch Slap. Hello, Dave. Hi, Chris. Yes, Do Nothing Bitch Slap. We are going into our first demo album song that never appeared again anywhere else, aren't we? It's the first proper dip into Make Feed Kill Repeat. Well, technically, a version of it was done for Crows, but that doesn't seem to have leaked anywhere. So, yeah, let's not worry too much about that. Yes, it's track three of Mate Feed Kill Repeat. If anyone listening has heard it on Crows, then do get in touch. I'd be fascinated to know what's different. It's definitely going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> lyrics? Lyrics, definitely. So, a little bit of context. Our idea for this podcast is very simple. We take it a song per episode. We put it under the microscope. We alternate our choices. So, this is the choice that's been made by Dave, and I'm going to ask him to explain why shortly. And then we rank them by scoring each one out of nine because Slipknot. Slipknot. So, Dave, you are hugely more familiar with this demo album than I was. Mm. So I have two questions for you. The first one is, why have you chosen this song to get us started? And the second one is, tell me how the hell you got into Make Feet Kill Repeat. (laughs) Okay, I'll kind of bundle them in together. I think it feels right that we give those Make Feet Kill Repeat songs their own episodes, the ones that didn't make it through. And I think of the handful of songs on the album that didn't go any further, this is totally the one I wanted to start with because this is the one that just slapped me around the chops the first time I heard this album. So this album, for anyone listening who doesn't perhaps doesn't know much about it, you know, it's I've said in my notes that it's Slipknot's first release. It is. It's we're calling it a demo because that's what the band wanted to see it as. There was a point when they did sort of mention it as their first album, but they, they changed their mind on that pretty quickly. Self-recorded, self-funded, released on Halloween 1996, and it was limited to a thousand copies. And most of the stuff has appeared on their proper album since, and we've touched on it in some of the other episodes. Indeed, our last episode was a song that found its its first form on this album. Recorded over four months in Des Moines, cost was apparently $40,000, which sounds a lot of money for what they actually ended up with. (laughs) And it was all on this song. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And in terms of the lineup, so it's, it's it's worth mentioning who's on this. So you've got Paul, you've got Sean, and you've got Joey on bass, percussion, and, and drums respectively. But then vocals is is Anders. Guitar on the album is done by Josh and Donny. Mm-hmm. And then Craig and Mick got added to the list and were given credits on the album, but didn't actually record on it. So I my journey with this album, I mean, I got into Slipknot in 2000 and I spent that summer reading a Kerrang! special about Slipknot so much that it fell apart. And that magazine, as I was going back and forth, that's where I learned about this mysterious first album. And when when I got home from holiday with the magazine no longer in, in one piece, I was fascinated to find out more. And I tracked down this album on eBay and I shelled out a tenner for what was very generously labelled as a copy of Slipknot's first album. It was a CDR copy of Slipknot's first album rather than the real thing. But <laughs> it was the music I wanted to hear. So, you know, I didn't mind that much. I guess my first experience of an online scam. Worth it. Yeah. I mean, this album is obviously patchy. I think the production's pretty shoddy. I don't think Anders as a vocalist is, is great. And it goes down some very weird paths. But it's got that spine of Clown, Joey and Paul. And, and where it's good, you can definitely see those early scenes of what Slipknot proper even them was going to become and they had the ability to unnerve and the ability to just fuck with you which is where do nothing bitch slap comes from because if ever there is a song on this album where slipknot is fucking with everybody it is this song and as i said it is the moment that just smacked me in the face and the song i've always remembered i mean for anyone who's not heard it let me take you through this song this isn't the entire album this is this song (laughs) 
We start with the slapping and popping bass line, which goes into a thrash metal riff. They then freestyle some jazz for a bit and then round it off with a disco section, complete with gang chants of whoop, whoop, and a vocal line of I want to put a cap right in your asshole. <laughs> as well as the line, man, you're like a school in the summer. No class, which is quite quickly becoming my favourite Slipknot lyric. When I wrote about this album, when we did our revisiting of all of Slipknot's albums for our website, I think I wrote the line, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto, and we're not in Iowa either. I don't know where the fuck we are on this song, but it's great, isn't it? There's another f- funky flourish before before it ends, and then a minute and a half of aggro. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's weird, it's strange, and it's it's marvellous in its own way. Obviously, they were listening to a lot of Faith No More and Mr. Bungle, but... Oh my God, so much. But, like I said, it's Slipknot fucking with people i love it and it's even got bits of of some glitchy stuff and some blast beats in there right before the disco part so it's just like yeah i mean they they wouldn't dream of doing something like this now and it's the most complex song on the album just mainly because everything is happening i think apparently the crows version is basically the same but without the jazzy parts which sounds like a lesser song to me but um yeah i mean God, that's kind of I rambled a bit there but that was my experience with the album this song and I wanted to bring it forward because because which of the other ones are you going to start with there's nothing else in Slipknot's back catalogue quite like do nothing bitch slap no it's a funny little bastard this song it's I've got in my notes I don't like it when podcasts go in my notes but I have to for this one thrash metal funk jazz disco slayer bungle faith no more Slipknot which I think is important not to overlook at one part in this song. Kerry King and now Nathrak. Like, what is this? I just, I don't know how it works. And yet I fucking love it so much. I love it, Dave. It's brilliant. I mean, this this song had an un, unexpected amount of influence on me and my friendship group as teenagers. So I was friends with a, another guy who was on the Roadrunner Street team with me. We were both big Slipknot heads. He also got a copy of this album. And he and I were in a band together. I ended up going off and being in another band. But when I first heard their first set of original songs, there was a song that they'd written. And I know exactly where it came from. That started with a slapping and popping bass line and then just exploded into an angry new metal aggro riff. <laughs> like, it was it was influencing unsigned bands in Coventry in the mid-noughts. Like, this weird fucking little song from the mid-90s that they probably assumed would go nowhere that was on an album that supposedly was limited to a thousand copies. Mm. Just like, I mean, of all the fucking Slipknot songs to try and rip off. Yeah, we're going to rip off Do Nothing Bitch Slap. Deal with it. Mad. Oh, it's got Sepultura in it as well. Yes. Yeah. It really does. I think the bit, I guess it's kind of in the middle, the post come on y'all bit, mm-hmm. has that sort of the repeated bitch slap lyric and the resulting ah stuff, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to do because I can't get that high. That, that's pure faith no more. Mm. It's so great. And and yeah, the uh, the no class lyric is patterning bungle all day, all day. And it's just, there's nothing about this song that should work. And yet it has these two things that make it stick together. And I think those two things are the little weird spirally riff that goes over the end of the verse and then comes back at the end of the song and just drifts off. Mm-hmm. And the little thrashy riff that you get right at the very beginning after the slap bass part. Those two little motifs stick this song together and somehow somehow it works and i think that is because there are three people on this song who are genuine geniuses. yeah so what went through your head when you you listened to this in preparation for this podcast because i mean me listening to it as a teenager who'd only got the self-titled slipknot 
album at that point and who knew that there was this weird album i push play kind of expecting anything really and very clearly got it and as a 15 year old it was just like it was mind-blowing but I was kind of expecting my mind to be blown in some way but for you really going in on this at this point in their career what was your brain saying when when you heard this song properly for the first time I think I kind of got what I expected yeah it's difficult to avoid the legend of make food kill repeat as a proper Slipknot fan so all of the words that have been thrown into it I was aware of, you know, funky jazz Slipknot doesn't surprise me. But when I listen to to songs off this album, because it's just been talked about for the last 25 years, hasn't it? So I I, I was braced for pretty much this. I I wasn't expecting the quality, actually. I thought it was going to be a bit of a duffer. And I don't think it is. No, I I, I think this album has a lot going for it. And particularly once you sort of accept that the versions of some of the songs that you hear later on in their career are early demos of them, then it it's just, it's such a fascinating starting gun for what became Slipknot. And, you know, you you go from this to, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a song off their most recent album later on in this series. And you just look at the progression from one to the other. And yet there's so much to love in all aspects of their career. It's just, yeah. I mean, what a stupid song. It shouldn't work at all, like you said. It really shouldn't work. It, we, we sh- you know, this should be something that we're almost cringing to talk about. And yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It really is. There's there's one downside for me, and it's Anders. Yeah. Which I, th- I don't actually think it's bad vocally, this song at all. What I think is when you are listening to a song that you can hear is Slipknot mm. and so much of the vocal performance is so rudimentary yeah it feels quite basic vocally to me which is a bit of a shame and i think you can see the difference between anders and Corey is is enormous because he's delivering what he's delivering absolutely fine you know i've got no complaints with the quality of that performance at all but it's so route one that it it doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the song you know he's doing the metal bit in a metal way yeah i think the rest of the band is is so much more exploratory, so much more weird and fucked up in this song that it, it, you can hear where the divide was going to happen, yeah. which is kind of a strange experience. I think it's a really fascinating song because it has all these different parts and it's kind of good in some ways and great in others and a bit shit in others. And it's just kind of out there. There's this strange old curio that that Slipknot fans have in their have in their arsenal, and yet it might not be dead, Dave. It comes up every now and then as a possible re-entry into the Slipknot setlist. Really, it is never, ever, ever going to happen. But how good would it be? God. Perhaps that's what they're going to do at Knotfest. Maybe it's one of those things that you know Corey kind of hints at things every now and then that never see the light of day, and he certainly was non-committal about it. But it has been mentioned. And I would be so down for it. Yeah. It feels like an obvious thing to suggest we, we talk about briefly, but because it it's the driving force of the song from the, the very first second of it. But Paul Gray was good at bass, wasn't he? Mate, it's so weird to listen back to a song from 1996 and think, wow, is this this is one of the best bass performances I've ever heard on a Slipknot song. And I think it's it's not that it's the best quality. I think because it's so varied within itself... And he's doing so many weird little things. And the bass is so front and centre mm. that you just hear it being good. Whereas later on, there was also refinement and 
you know, calculated, measured performance that's obviously far superior in, in real terms. But hearing that bass popping at the start, hey, I, I grew up in the 1990s. I loved Faith No More. I really like Mr. Bungle as well. And then you put a Slipknot bassist playing that opening to this song. I am a mark for that all day long. Yeah, and I mean, that that little run he does before the, the thrash riff returns for the final minute and a half, like where it's like full on chili peppers like, yeah. coming to a crescendo. I assume the um, the sort of double bass parts in this song are faux Paul, right? It's just Paul playing and it sounds like a double bass. Mm, yeah, I would, it's, I would it's guess It's got to be. It's so good on this song. That's proper jazz club as well, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> One question I had for you, Chris. Like, again, thinking about this song in the context of so 2020 as we're recording this, what would you think if you got to track three on a new band's debut album now and you heard something like this because you know we don't do genre these days apparently like do you think this at track three on a metal band's debut would would have some cut through or is it too weird even for a genreless world it's an interesting question because you know i i I always talk about genre being more of a useful discovery tool than an actual demarcation of music nowadays because it's very much the way i try and look at it but i think you can still pick out weird I listened to an album a few years ago that was like Scar Thrash. Right. And it was fucking awful because it did these things in a strange way. But I find it difficult to believe that I would listen to this song and not go for it because I love weird. I've got no issue with weird. And it's got things that hang it together. And so things that I mentioned before, and I think actually now we've spoken about him as well, I think Paul hangs this song together. And it means that although you've got like this part, this part, this part, it never feels like those jumps and they are jumps are too much and i think again like we've talked about him so much already on this podcast but paul was the more you dig into their back catalogue the more you realize just what what a key player paul was in slipknot he's just an amazing talent an amazing force for this band and whether it's whether it's popping and slapping like this or just or just driving songs as he would do later on just yeah, a, f- a force, a force of nature in a pig mask. When you commit to doing a podcast about individual songs, you find yourself listening to them on repeat a lot. And you hear, as is intended in the creative process, bits of songs that you don't hear listening casually or listening once or listening twice. And you hear more and more. And I hear more and more pull whenever mm-hmm. I do one of these songs. And then you throw in the actual quality of the playing and the variation. And then he wrote the bloody things as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... The dude was just incredible and yep. part of an incredible band. Yeah, and they were incredible even in 1996. They were certainly heading that way, weren't they? Yeah. God, I mean, I, I just can't imagine like a band showing up and on, you know, if we went to a gig at the Arches venue in Coventry and saw some upcoming unsigned metal band and they came out and did something like this, you'd just be like, Poof. Yeah. Absolute mind blown. In, in masks. Mostly, yeah. mostly masks. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh God, I wish it had all been masks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I feel like we've, uh, I mean, there's obviously no, there's no covers to speak of and no remixes and not really much in the way of live to talk about yet. 
Um, <laughs> and no, no video either. No video. Surprisingly, so uh, we're we're probably at the point where we need to give this a, a ranking, don't we? I think we are. I think you know we can either do four hours on it or or twenty minutes on it, and I think we'll stick to twenty minutes because we're we're heading that way now. Um, so the object of this podcast is to um, eventually rank every Slipknot song from top to bottom by scoring them out of nine because Slipknot. So for this song, Dave, do nothing, bitch slap. Let's have your score first out of nine. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to show my working. I'm giving it four out of nine, which is one is for the intro. One is for the whoop whoop. <laughs> one is for Paul. Half a mark for nostalgia and half a mark for the no class line. So there Good. you go. Four. I've given it a six. Wow. Because I've got to tell you, Dave, I have not stopped listening to this song. I heard it probably back at the same sort of time as, as you actually got hold of it mm-hmm. but like in passing once maybe wasn't completely you know it's probably just sort of post iowa maybe yeah and it didn't seem so far removed from sort of faith no more you know only been to split up a few years and that kind of thing so it probably didn't quite hit me between the eyes like it has done this this time around but i'm hooked i'm absolutely hooked you've given it the same score you gave everything ends yes mate Good. i love it i love it great it's brilliant so that combined score is uh is 10 between the two of us which does sadly means that at the moment do nothing bitch slap is slipknot's worst song but um hey there's plenty of room for that to change over the course of and uh, years of this podcast to come. <laughs> over the course of the next episode of this podcast mm, spoiler alert maybe <laughs> yeah you don't know what i've given it yet do you um right so what we're talking about there is that the next episode we're going to do is on the slipknot classic gehenna <sighs> this episode has been about do nothing bitch slap by slipknot and you can't kill me is produced by this decay we will see you later.